Are you looking for a way to save a little money? What about getting your subscriptions under control? If so, then I've got just the solution for you. Rocket Money. With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find a subscription that I completely forgot to cancel before the free trial was up. I'm sure you've all been there. And Rocket Money can help me cancel it. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each and every month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With them, I can see clearly what my monthly spending is and how it compares to the month before, making saving money and taking control over my finances so much easier. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... When you think of black metal, you think blood, gore, and loud, heavy music. And for the most part, you would be correct. But on August 10th, 1993... One man would take his commitment to the metal lifestyle a little too far when he took the life of his fellow bandmate. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Oystein Arseth, born March 22, 1968, became an important figure in the Norwegian black metal scene when he, bassist Jorn Stuberud, and drummer Chatil Mannheim started the band Mayhem in 1984. Known almost exclusively by his stage name Euronymous, Arseth would soon be considered the founder of early Norwegian black metal, with many following his lead and starting bands of their own. It's worth mentioning that his life and career is something worth taking a look at beyond the short form of this podcast. In 1998, Per Dead Olin was added to Mayhem as their vocalist, while Jan Axel Hellhammer Blomber took over as its drummer. 
Like most bands looking to make it big, Euronymous, Dead, and Hellhammer decided to live together in a house that served its second purpose as a spot for the band to rehearse, meaning they basically spent every second together living and breathing their music. But according to Yorn, or Necro Butcher, after living together for a bit, Dead and Euronymous started to butt heads. As the story goes, Euronymous liked to play synth music that drove Dead crazy, even forcing him to sleep out in the woods on one occasion. Euronymous responded by shooting off a shotgun into the air. Unfortunately, their feud wouldn't last long, and on April 8, 1991, Euronymous found Dead's body inside of their shared home with slit wrists and a shotgun wound to the head. His death would later be ruled as a suicide, but before Euronymous called the police for his friend, he took the opportunity to go to a shop, buy a disposable camera, move some things around, and photograph the scene to serve as the cover for their bootleg live album, Dawn of the Black Hearts. According to Necro Butcher, Euronymous called him the next day and said, Dead has done something really cool. He killed himself. The image of dead suicide helped to fuel the band's evil image. One self-proclaimed Satanist, Euronymous, was trying to cultivate by saying dead killed himself because black metal was becoming too commercialized. He would later hand out necklaces containing bits of dead skull to fellow musicians who he deemed worthy. Basically, all of this to say that, while a brilliant musician, Euronymous clearly had no problem dabbling with the macabre and violent even at the sake of someone who he once called a friend. Shortly after Dead's suicide, Necro Butcher ended his friendship with Euronymous, meaning the band now only consisted of Euronymous and Hellhammer. A few people tried to join the band, some even leaving because of Euronymous's death threats, and while the search continued to find Mayhem's newest members, Euronymous took the opportunity to open up a record shop named Elveta, the Norwegian word for hell, and it became the place for fellow black metal musicians to meet up. It was also the location for Euronymous's new independent record label, Death Like Silence Productions, that released albums from bands like Burzum, Merciless, Abruptum, and of course, Mayhem, which is how a man named Christian Virkinus, better known as Varg, came into the picture and changed the course of both he and Euronymous's lives. Varg, born February 11, 1973, grew up with a mother who worked in an oil company, a father who was an electronics engineer, and an older brother who worked as a civil engineer. According to later interviews, Varg and his family moved to Baghdad so his father could work for Saddam Hussein, developing a computer program. And since there was no English schools in the area, Varg was sent off to an Iraqi elementary school where he was made aware of, quote, racial matters and was subject to corporal punishment. This, coupled with his parents' view on race, his father had a swastika flag hanging in their home, led to Varg becoming a part of the neo-Nazi skinhead culture as an adolescent. Eventually, young Varg's music taste started to get heavier, and inspired by bands like Iron Maiden, Varg picked up a guitar at the age of 14, and the rest became history. From the time he was 17 years old, Varg, under a few different stage names, started performing with a number of different bands, eventually settling with a solo black metal musical project called Burzum, which, as we know, recorded at Euronymous's record studio. And by 1992, Varg abandoned Burzum in favor of joining Mayhem the year after Dead took his own life. Now, while Euronymous and Varg became bandmates, a seemingly unrelated series of events started happening all around Norway. 
On June 6, 1992, the first of many historical churches caught fire and triggered a domino effect that, by January of 1993, saw at least seven fires at architecturally and historically significant stave churches. Everyone wanted to know who set the fires and why. So when Norway's biggest newspaper company was gifted with an anonymous interview with the arsonist, they jumped at the chance to print the story. In January of 1993, two of Varg's friends interviewed him about the fires and brought the interview to the Bergens Tidene. In the interview, Count Gershnak, Varg, took full responsibility for the fires and took responsibility for killing a man in Lillehammer. Wanting more, journalists at the paper set up a meeting with the anonymous count, who summoned them to an apartment, warning them that they would be shot if the police were called. In that meeting, Varg and his companions took responsibility for the fires and said that there would be more in the future, claiming to be devil worshippers using the newspaper to spread the fear and reveal details that the police had kept from the public. When the journalists checked this information with police, they realized the count must have been telling the truth. Shortly after the interview, police arrested Varg Virkinis. Charged with some of the fires and found guilty of a few, the fires thrust Norwegian black metal into the spotlight and sent droves of fans to the record store, and for some, into more churches with matches in hand. In later interviews, Varg, still not truly accepting responsibility for the fires, speculated that the motive was actually revenge for the Christian desecration of Viking graves and temples and in other interviews, claimed he had nothing to do with the fires and only accepted responsibility in the anonymous interview to generate publicity for Mayhem's new album. That the whole thing was just a stunt planned by himself and Euronymous. After a brief stint in prison, a place he claimed was much too nice for prisoners, Varg was released due to lack of evidence. Though he wouldn't remain a free man for long. On the night of August 10th, 1993, Varg Virkinis and Snorre Blackthorn Roosh drove from Bergen to Euronymous's apartment in Oslo, at which point Blackthorn stayed in the stairwell smoking while Varg went inside to speak with Euronymous about Helvete. Since the newspaper article about the fires, the record store started to draw a lot of unwanted attention from the police and the media. Deciding to shut it down, Euronymous needed some papers signed by Varg, who met him at the door to hand over a signed contract. But when Varg stepped forward to confront his once friend and bandmate, Euronymous panicked and kicked him in the chest. With that, all hell broke loose, and according to Varg, Euronymous ran into the kitchen to get a knife. The pair struggled, and at some point, Varg stabbed Euronymous 23 times. Two in the head, five in the neck, and 16 in the back. The final blow so powerful, the knife remained stuck in his head. Varg and Blackthorn drove back to Bergen that same night, and along the way, stopped at a lake so Varg could dispose of his clothes. According to Varg, he killed Euronymous in self-defense, saying he heard about a plot to stun, bind, and torture him to death, saying, quote, if he was talking about it to everybody and anybody, I wouldn't have taken it seriously. But he just told a select group of friends, and one of them told me. In his mind, Euronymous was using their meeting about an unsigned contract to ambush him. Of course, many doubted the claim of self-defense, with some citing a power struggle, financial dispute over Burzum records, and an attempt at outdoing a recent stabbing committed by another musician. 
Regardless of the why, Varg was arrested on August 19, 1993, and police found 150 kilograms of explosives and about 3,000 rounds of ammunition in his home at the time of his arrest. According to the Encyclopedia of White Power, Varg, quote, intended to blow up Blitz House, the radical leftist and anarchist enclave in Oslo just before his arrest, leading to another theory that Varg felt like he needed to kill Euronymous before the bombing, he, a, quote, communist, would have been opposed to the attack. He would later deny these claims and said that he had all of the explosives and ammunition to defend Norway if ever attacked. Varg's trial began on May 2, 1994, with many other members of the black metal scene, including Blackthorn, put on trial around the same time. Referred to in the media as, quote, the nation's first real boogeyman in 50 years, Varg's lawyers attempted to place the blame on Blackthorn and another friend, while the court claimed that a third friend stayed in the apartment in Bergen to create an alibi for Varg. On May 16, 1994, Varg Virkinis was sentenced to 21 years in prison, the maximum in Norway, for the murder of Euronymous, the arson of three churches, the attempted arson of a fourth, and theft and storage of 150 kilograms of explosives. Blackthorne was sentenced to eight years for being an accomplice to the murders. That same month, Mayhem's newest album was released in which Euronymous and Varg played together on the tracks, despite the family's wishes to have Varg's bass tracks re-recorded. Hellhammer said, I thought it was appropriate that the murderer and the victim were on the same record. I put the word out that I was re-recording the bass tracks, but I never did. While in prison, Varg launched the Norwegian Heathen Front, had two books published, released two ambient albums, and started a blog that, according to a Rolling Stone writer, endorsed neo-Nazi views and contained many a racist rant. He has since disavowed the ideology and claims to follow odalism and a pre-industrial pagan society. In October of 2003, Varg made a brief escape from prison while granted a short leave, where he hijacked a car from a family of three, but was captured shortly thereafter with enough supplies and weapons to keep him on the run for quite a bit. He received an additional 13 months for the infraction. On May 22, 2009, after just 15 years of a 21-year sentence, Varg was released from prison and changed his name to Louis Cachet. He has since moved to France with his wife and children and continues to make music and post YouTube videos about European pagan mythology and his political views. The channel was removed in June of 2019. In 2011, Louis received Anders Bering Breivik's manifesto before the 2011 Norway attacks that took the lives of 77 people. In 2013, he and his wife were arrested on suspicion of planning an act of terrorism, but were later released. And in 2014, he was convicted of inciting racial hatred and sentenced to six months of probation and a fine of 8,000 euro. He is still alive, still active in his political beliefs, and announced he would release new music in 2020. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on August 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.